Have you ever been in situations where someone tries to intentionally provoke your anger, or you receive unrealistic demands from your clients, or perhaps your boss has sent you on the mission impossible? How do you handle these situations? I mean, do you start a major conflict, or you just kind of bite your tongue and then complain behind closed doors? Today's book is all about teaching us how to fight like an adult in a way that prevents others from easily targeting us and ensure our battles don't backfire. Welcome to a book with bubble tea, with your host Mira He. Here, I share takeaways from East Asian books on parenting, startups, and self-growth. Seeking insights beyond the typical English shelf? Want to be a better parent and achieve more in life? You are in the right place. Grab your bubble tea and let's dive in. Hi everyone! Welcome to the new episode of A Book with Bubble Tea. I'm your host Mira. Well, you might notice today's episode is slightly different because usually we start with East Asia this week, but from this episode onwards, we do not have East Asia this week. Not because it's gone, but because we have made a new episode of it. An entire new episode will be uploaded every Friday on just East Asia this week. We hope this way we will have more time to explain or、uh, let you know about what happened in East Asia, and we hope that will be more interesting as well. So let's get started with the book today, and don't forget to check out on Friday for the East Asia this week. In today's show, we're actually going to talk about how to fight with someone in an adult manner. What does it mean to fight like an adult? Unlike children's way of fighting, which we know, like shouting, hitting back, or throwing tantrum without considering the consequences, adult fighting actually requires a lot of thinking. You know, because there is the power dynamics, there is the nuances of human relationships. For example, at work, you know, you need to think about how your superiors might react if you refuse their orders, or in a family context, right? If you are not getting along well with your mother-in-law, and、uh, what would that backfire you, right? How would she react if you don't comply with her ways? In the adult world, there is a lot more at stake in every conflict. You might stand up for yourself, but lose your job or your contract, or you could win an argument but lose support from your colleagues, where the other party might actually hold a grudge against you and hinder your future performances. There is just so much more to consider before fighting back. You no know, winning isn't always actually winning. There is a Chinese saying. It goes something like "in the 面子输了里子 It means you can very well win the facade, but actually lose the essence. In the context of arguing, you may win the debate, but lose more important things like peer support, appreciation from superiors, credibility, or career progressions, etc. That's why many of us are actually very scared to stand up. So we have learned to not fight. Right, we don't fight back. We just do what we are told to do and maintain this harmony. So we keep our head down, carry on with life. Especially in East Asian societies, societal harmony is highly valued. Many personal feelings and opinions are suppressed because we don't want to get into conflicts with other people. 
but today's book is telling us that there is actually a much better way to handling this. That is to fight back, but fight back wisely, like an adult. The book I'm going to talk about today is called "The Tactics of Fighting for Unbeatable Adults." It's written by Hideki Wada. I suggest anyone who can read Japanese to go and check out this author Hideki Wada on Wikipedia page. You will be stunned. I lost count of how many books he's actually written. I think it's easily more than a hundred. Hideki Wada graduated from the best medical school in Japan, Tokyo University, and he also became an authoritative figure in Japan when it comes to psychological treatment and mental health. However, if you think he's just one of those doctors, then you are so wrong. He is not only a doctor or a therapist, you know, or an author. He's also a novelist, and he even wrote TV and movie scripts too. In fact, he said the reason why he chose to go to medical school was because he wanted to make his own film, and he thought becoming a doctor is the quickest way to make money for his film production. <laughs> so that's why he chose the best medical school in Japan, like that. He is also one of the pioneers in Japan to introduce psychological studies to business arena. So he's really somebody in Japan. Now back to the book about why do we need to learn how to fight? Well, the simple answer is like if you don't, then others will, right? If you don't fight, then others will try to take advantage of you. If you don't protect your own boundaries, you can become an easy target for others to pick on. For example, if your boss is delegating a job that no one wants, okay? Do you think your boss is more likely to delegate to someone who says yes, sir? Or you know he would want to choose someone who would always question him or asking questions like, oh,、uh, why is this done this way? Why is this necessary? Given the abilities are equal, I think most likely your boss would delegate to the former one, right? Who says yes all the time. If that's you and you are happy about it, by all means, that's not a problem. But what if you actually don't feel happy about it and you actually want to change it? Then what do you do? In East Asian societies, we value harmony more than anything, right? Especially for our older generations, individuals put up a lot of crap to maintain this harmony at home or at work. They believe that's the best way to do it is just to keep our heads down, you know, obey the authority, and just do whatever we're told. But the reality is, no one actually appreciates it. They simply become the go-to person for all undesirable tasks. The more crap you suck up. The more crap you have to put up. I actually have a painful experience with this at work. A few years ago, our company was contracted with three high-end buildings, but a few months in, our account manager on the client side was somehow replaced, and the replacement manager she was responsible but very demanding. Like she would often ask us to do some urgent stuff for her, and she would expect us to drop whatever we were doing at that moment just to accommodate her request. And after exhausting all of our effort for a long period of time to solve her problems, we realized that the thing she asked us to do was either insignificant, or she's already got another solution in hand, and we were just one of the options, and she wouldn't be bothered to update us. So we ended up wasting a lot of effort for her. 
And sometimes she would also give us like unreasonable requests, like getting the facility management company in at 5:30 a.m. to fix a tenant's dishwasher. I think she might be the reason why I bought this book a few years ago, to be honest. But at that time, I was too swamped at work, and I didn't have a podcast show to force me to finish reading it. Right? That probably explains why I didn't manage her well enough back then. And I remember thinking, you know, as long as I get my team to work harder, you know, we would definitely manage to satisfy her. We could do this. Well, but guess what happened in the end to us? She replaced us. She replaced us with her friend's company, which at that time was a complete nobody. Like no one ever heard about that company before, and we are actually somebody who has very good reputation in the market and has been in the market for a long time. I mean, I don't need to explain what happened. She definitely has done something behind us, but you know what pains me till this day was. My own stupidity. It's my own stupidity to not realize that earlier. Only if I knew how to put her back to her place, protect my team's resources to do what truly matters, and be more vocal about our contributions to them, then probably this wouldn't have happened. But you know, I was too dumb to know how to fight back then. It was my naivety in believing if I kept my head down and worked harder, everything would be fine. Fighting in the adult world requires more tax and skills, because there are a lot more at stake, right? Like you could lose the contract, your job, or even the respect from your colleagues and superiors if you don't do it well. There are just a lot to lose in the adult world, but if you don't fight, you are also likely to lose too. Like what happened to me, right? Fighting in the adult world is very much like playing chess with a king. You can be punished by winning too much, or you could be punished by losing too much too. You need to find the right balance and using the right tactics wisely and calmly. That's why the author continuously reminds us in his book that to fight back is not to lose. Be careful to not win the argument, but lose your prospects. All right, now. We are going to share a few practical tactics of fighting suggested by the author in this book. I'll talk about first、uh, what is the most important thing above all else when it comes to fighting. Two, how to defend yourselves when you get picked on. Three, and how to attack when you need to. All right. So, what is the most important thing above all else when it comes to fighting? The author said, "Very simple. Don't give in and don't give up." This is the most important thing that anyone need to have before having a fight, because most people don't fight back because they have already conceded defeat before even trying. So before you do anything, make sure you don't just give in to whatever you are being told to do. You know, even a simple reply of "Could you please let me know the reason for doing this?" is better than not trying at all. Now moving on. How do we defend ourselves from being picked on? Well, first we have to just accept the fact that you know there will always be people trying to take advantage of others. We can't change that, but what we can change is we can protect ourselves from becoming their target, right? Or the easy prey that they can easily just you know walk all over us. In the animal world, even the most powerful predators won't easily attack any prey that are strong. They usually would wait until they identify a weak link to target. It's the same in the human world. 
don't make ourselves become an easy prey or easy target that anyone can easily pick on us. The author suggests the best way is actually to come up with our own camouflage. You know, sending signals to potential predators that hey, watch out! I am not easy. Don't chew me. I am poisonous. If you touch me, you're going to suffer too. Well, it doesn't mean that we need to put up an angry face all the time, or you know, have this ah、uh-uh, ah, don't mess around with me that kind of attitude on all the time. No, that's not what the author meant. Rather, the author suggests something more subtle, like you know, reading government portals on labor law during lunchtime, or suddenly mention about some connections you have, like oh, my mom is a lawyer. Though doing it subtly, it sends out a signal to others that better not to mess around with you. It will save you from being considered an easy target, and that will just save you a lot of headache later on. But what if somehow we have already become a target? Then what do we do? If someone tries to take advantage of us, kindly but firmly put them back in their own place immediately is the best way. And we should remind them about the consequences of doing whatever they are thinking of doing. Well, still be kind because adults' world is more complicated, right? We want to ensure a smooth sailing in the future with them, because you know probably interaction is still inevitable. So it's important to maintain good relationship nonetheless. However, others also need to learn to respect your boundaries. Therefore, immediate feedback on things you would like others to discontinue is important. For example, if you start feeling your teammate is not pulling their weight, you can remind her, like, you know, I apologize if I've mistaken, but I don't think you are giving enough attention to this project that we are working on. I think you do understand that this project is a direct assignment from the senior management. It's something quite serious. If you do not turn in your piece by tomorrow, I will have no choice but to escalate it. Put them back to their own place gently, but immediately. When I was preparing for this episode, I had a casual chat with my mom, and I didn't realize my dad actually, you know, did this sort of things to me and my sister quite often, like put us back to our own place. Like for example, you know, this summer holiday, I took my kids back in Taiwan. My dad would volunteer to take both my kids and my sister's son out for, you know, a Saturday afternoon, so me and my sister could have some quiet time to do whatever we wanted to do. You know, before he went out, we would always try to remind him of not feeding our kids with junk food or too much sweet. But my dad always replied like, "Hey." Am I not nice enough to take care of them already, so that you guys can have a quiet time? Don't bother me with what I feed them, okay? I mean, whenever he said that, we just went completely speechless because, after all, like we wanted him to take the kids out, right? We wanted our quiet afternoon. My dad is such a pro at putting us back in our own place and shut us up. But what if someone tries to provoke us? What do we do? The author says the best strategy in this situation is actually to just stay calm and let others say whatever they want to say. Be mindful about their accusations of you. Stay objective. Don't just take in whatever they say. After listening it, just calmly say, "Hey, there's no need to be so upset. Isn't a calm discussion much better?" By saying this. 
This usually makes them even more angry and realize that they have lost their cool, and often leads them to become even more agitated. Once they become even more worked up, then just wait. You know, we just need to be patient here for the opportunity to service for them to slip up or make some contradictory arguments, and they will essentially seal their own fate. Now here comes the last suggestions I'm going to share from the book about how to defend ourselves from becoming an easy target. What if somebody challenges in public about our argument or proposal? What should we do? Well, don't just sit there quietly. Immediately defend ourselves with facts and data. If we have solid data backing our arguments, then bring it up right away. To challenge the other side and find contradictions in their arguments, but the real challenges come is、uh, what if there isn't a single side that has superior data, like no one knows for fact which decision is better, or there is no clear cut when it comes to which proposal is better. Then you know how do we win the arguments, and that will bring us to the last aspect of winning the argument: attack. When there is no absolute fact to prove your point, where there is no absolute data that can back up your argument and defend yourself, or you know there is nothing that is definitely superior than your counterparts, then you need to engage in a psychological battle. And some of the tactics you can use, the author suggests, including you know the following four. First. Arouse people's action by saying, "Well, let's just do it and see how it will turn out." You know, according to the author, former Prime Minister of Japan Junichiro Koizumi often uses this strategies to win support when there is no clear evidence that doing something is definitely better than not doing it. Two, be the first to set the standard of winning and playing it to your strengths. A bit like the famous fable of the hare and the tortoise. I think we all know the story, right? The hare competes with tortoise on, you know, who can reach the goal first. But imagine if today it's a tortoise that actually make the first suggestions to the hare and said,、uh, "Let's compete on who can stand still for the longest." Well, I'm assuming tortoise is good at that. It just go into its shell, right? Then that will completely change the winning prospect. The hare will stand no chance at all at winning the game. By setting the rules of the game first and play to your strength is that important. It means you have a much higher chance at winning. However, if your component is as stupid as hare, I think you know you stand an absolute chance of winning. Three. Remember we talked earlier about you know how to defend ourselves when others try to provoke us. Well, if needed, we can do the same. We can be the one provoking others, right? By saying something that is sarcastic or hurtful, or but not directly relating to the subject of discussion, you know, often provokes emotional responses in others. And when others respond emotionally, it also leads them to act impulsively, creating an opportunity to take advantage from our side. Well, just by talking about this, I feel I've become such an evil person. No, 
you know, I'm just sharing about it from the book. But I should put up a disclaimer here, right? Disclaimer, disclaimer. No matter what tactics you use, use it with care, right? Use it wisely because it's not only winning an argument matter. And how other people think about us, our peers' opinions about us also matter. I mean, we want to win the argument, but we don't want to be perceived as a sly manipulator who pulls string from behind the scenes. So, you know, we use it wisely. That's the author's suggestions as well. These are just tactics that we can consider to use if it's necessary, or if we think there's a real benefit to it. All right. The last point is point number four. If you want to pressurize someone who is overconfident, you can use a tactic that creates cognitive dissonance in their minds to compel them to act. So, cognitive dissonance is a psychological concept describing the mental discomfort experienced by a person who holds two or more contradictory beliefs, ideas, or values at the same time, or You know, it's confronted by new information that conflicts with existing beliefs, ideas, or values. For example, like today,、uh, you want to pressurize your manager、um, to make a decision quickly. If you know your manager consider himself smart and decisive, you can say to him, "Wow, it's really surprising to find that even someone as smart as you can have moments that it's so hard to make a decisive decision. It's quite unbelievable, really." Or if you know your manager actually desires to be admired, then you can say, "Being in a leadership position and hesitating like this at such a key moment must be disappointing for your team. They expect a lot from you." Well, you get the idea, right? The point is to create this conflicting belief in them, and、uh, that will give you a window of opportunity to pressurize them. But again, use it wisely, okay? All right. So now we have talked about, you know, how do we defend ourselves from becoming a prey, and what are the psychological tactics that we can use to attack to win, and you know how not to give up on fighting before we even try doing that. And moving on, I just want to quickly share about, you know, how my husband managed to play these tactics for his own benefit at work. When he was just a graduate working for one of the big four. It already showed his talent of playing these tactics, because as a graduate, you didn't have much say on which team to join. But working for big four means like during high seasons, it's extremely busy. You basically work from like 9 a.m. to 3 a.m. So you really wouldn't want to work for those leaders who would call you back into the office during your precious beauty sleep moment, right? But being a graduate, he didn't have much say on which team he would be picked to join. So what did he do? This smarty pants would deliberately downgraded the quality of his work ever so slightly for the team leaders that he didn't enjoy working with. Obviously, he downgraded not hugely but slightly, so he wouldn't get complained on. But you now, for those team leaders he liked working with, he would give his one hundred and one percent to make sure that he get booked the next time. And to me, that is playing the game the adult's way. Very clever, because if I were him, I would probably give one hundred twenty percent to those difficult leaders because I wanted to finish all the tasks. And what would happen to me? I would end up being booked by those difficult leaders over and over again, and then I would never had enough sleep. All right, 
Now, finally, the conclusion. Well, please allow me to repeat myself again because the author reminds us repeatedly in his book. All right, whatever tactics we're using, don't use it at the cost of our future. No matter what you decide to do, you have to consider it from a wider perspective. Okay, to make sure it won't backfire on you. The author says often the biggest challenge comes from after winning an argument. However, giving up fighting is also not the viable option because if you don't defend yourself, then you should not complain when others take advantage of you. The right way is actually to be able to fight a good fight, the adult's way, so that others respect you. And what we need to do is to stay calm, stay wise, and be tactful. The more tactics we know, the better we can play our cards, and better we understand others' maneuvers as well. This will help us remain calm and can play our cards better. And above all, never admit defeat before we have even tried. Okay? The author says, since life cannot be under our control anyway, it might be a better way that we just stay relaxed and embrace challenges, and tell ourselves like we will fight a good fight whenever. It's required whenever they come by, right? Before I end this episode, I am curious to know how you guys from different cultures fight the adult way. Obviously, this author is from Japan, so do you think his suggestions is more useful in the Japanese context, or do you think it can be applied in your societies as well? Let me know. I will be very interested to find out. Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget to follow our show, leave us five stars, and leave us some comments. We also have a survey form attached in the show notes. If you have time, please do fill it out for us. We really, really love to know more about you. All right, follow us on Instagram as well, and、uh, let's continue reading and enjoy our bubble tea. See you next time. Bye.